0: Morning Prayer starts on page 3.
1: The Lord is in
0: his holy temple.
1: Let all the earth keep silence before him. O Lord, open thou our lips.
2: And our mouth shall show forth thy praise.
1: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning,
2: is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise
1: ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 95 begins on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. Why boastest thou thyself, thou tyrant, that thou canst do mischief? Or as the goodness of God endureth yet daily, the tongue imagineth wickedness, and with lies thou cuttest like a sharp razor.
2: Thou hast loved unrighteousness more than goodness, and
1: falsehood more than righteousness. Thou hast loved to speak all words that may do hurt, O thou false tongue.
2: Therefore shall God destroy thee for ever. He shall take thee, and pluck thee out of thy dwelling, and root thee out of the
1: land of living. The righteous also shall see this in fear, and shall laugh him to scorn.
2: Lo, this is the man that took not God for his strength, but trusted unto the multitude of his riches, and strengthened himself
1: in his wickedness. As for me, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. My trust is in the tender mercy of God for ever and ever.
2: I will always give
1: thanks unto thee for that thou hast done, and I will hope in thy name, for thy saints like it well. The foolish body hath said in his heart, There is no God. Corrupt are they,
2: and become abominable in their wickedness. There There is is none none that that doeth good.
1: good. God, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that would understand and seek after God.
2: But they are all gone out of the way, they are altogether become abominable. There is also none that doeth good, no, not one.
1: And not they without understanding that work wickedness, eating up my people as if they would eat bread, they have not called upon God.
2: They were afraid where no fear was, for God hath broken the bones of him that besieged thee. Thou hast put them to confusion, because God hath despised them.
1: Oh, that the salvation were given unto Israel out of Zion. O oh, that the Lord would deliver his people out of captivity.
2: Then should J- Jacob rejoice, and Israel
1: should be right and glad. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost.
2: As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world
0: without end. Amen. Here beginneth the 35th chapter of the book of Jeremiah. The
2: word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim the son of Josiah king of Judah saying go to the house of the Rechabites speak to them and bring them into the house of the Lord into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink and I took Jaazaniah, the son of Jeremiah the son of Habaziniah his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, above the chamber of Maasiah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. Then I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites bowls full of wine and cups, and I said to them, Drink wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, you nor your sons, for ever. You shall not build a house, sow seed, plant a vineyard, nor have any of these, but all your days you shall dwell in tents, that you may live many days in the land where you are sojourners. Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he charged us. To drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in, nor do we have vineyard, field, or seed. But we have dwelt in tents, and obeyed, and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded. But it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up into the land, that we said, Come. Let us go to jerusalem for fear of the army of the chaldeans and for fear of the army of the syrians so we dwell at jerusalem then came the word of the lord to jeremiah saying thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel go and tell the men of judah and the inhabitants of jerusalem will you not receive instruction to obey my words says the lord the words of jonadab the son of rechab which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For to this day they drink none, and obey their father's commandment. But although I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, you did not obey me. I have also sent to you all my servants the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Turn now everyone from his evil way, amend your doings, and do not go after other gods to serve them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and your fathers. But you have not inclined your ear, nor obeyed me. Surely the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. But this people has not obeyed me. Therefore thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring on Judah, and on all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, All the doom that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them, but they have not heard, and I have called to them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according to all that he commanded you, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to
0: stand before me forever. Here endeth the first lesson. Together, Benedictus says,
1: Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness. Praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths, And dwellest between the cherubim. Praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the glorious throne of thy kingdom. Praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven. Praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
0: Here beginneth the 20th verse of the second chapter of the Epistle of St. Paul to the Colossians.
2: Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which will perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom with self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above not on things on the earth for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is our life appears then you also will appear with him in glory therefore put to death your members which are on the earth fornication uncleanness passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry Because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once watched, walked, when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Here endeth the second lesson.
1: Together, Benedictus. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people, for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, And grant us thy salvation. O God, may clean our hearts within us.
2: And take not thy Holy Spirit from us.
1: O God, our refuge and strength, who art the author of all godliness, be ready, we beseech thee, to hear the devout prayers of thy church. And grant that those things which we ask faithfully we may obtain effectually, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, and knowledge whom standeth our eternal life, but that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous
0: in thy sight through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Good
3: morning to all. Some might wonder why we took a quick diversion from uh, 2 Kings into Jeremiah. Uh, We should note that, and um, I also uh, put the link to the chronology that I shared yesterday in the chat bar again, This one shouldn't require you to get permission to share it. And after we're done, at the end of morning prayer, if anyone wants to stay on, I'll just give a brief overview of that. But um, chronologically, Jeremiah is the great prophet of the end of the southern kingdom. So when um, Josiah's reforms take place and then when his sons undo them all or his successors undo them all, Jeremiah is the prophet who's preaching to Israel. So we're getting today a little snippet of, of Jeremiah's ministry in the midst of all the other things that are going on. And Jeremiah uses a kind of, uh, you know, an illustration, or God use, makes Jeremiah use an illustration. The, the Rechabites, there's not a lot said about them in um, the Bible. They appear in in a, in a 2 Kings 10 where Jehu asked if they're with him for a get or against him, and they say they're with him, <clears throat> but apparently they were a nomadic clan whose um father uh enjoined on them a certain kind of behavior don't drink wine, <clears throat> don't settle, don't plant vineyards and um enjoin this on his on his uh children and they've kept this commandment now for a few hundred years at least we don't know how far back it goes exactly, so <clears throat> God is saying look, this guy, guy, he was the father of his family, asked his children to do these things, and they've done it faithfully now for a couple hundred years. I, God, am am the father of Israel who brought you out of Egypt and said, here's how I want you to live, and you don't do it. And part of the um, tension here is between keeping the commandments of God and and for the Rechabites, the father, against the surrounding pressures because there was no doubt for the Rechabites all kinds of cultural pressure to, hey, you know, come to the party, hey, do this. Uh, but they were able to be faithful. And Israel, by contrast, has given in to the temptation to come to the local idol festival and to mix in worship of God with other kinds of things that are convenient for them. And so um, this whole idea of, of being faithful to God against cultural pressure uh, is, is the point. The Rechabites have done that, <clears throat> faithful to their father, but Israel has not been faithful. And we get into the New Testament, uh, the lesson from Colossians. In many ways, the tension is the same. Um, he's writing to the Colossians about their tendency to get drawn into a more worldly way of thinking about religion, don't taste, don't touch. and it's it's really important to um understand that that Christianity though it has you know moral boundaries and rules it's not primarily a religion of rules that says okay if you don't touch this you don't taste this you don't do this you don't do that then you'll earn a standing of <clears throat> righteous and so rules are a kind of slavery because the human attempt to keep those rules epitomized in Israel by in the New Testament, by the Pharisees, whose rules were really the tradition. It was never the Torah, strictly. It was the tradition that was kept between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. A religion of rules, which we try to keep, we always fail in it. And so it always results in a kind of slavery, where we try really hard to keep the rules. We fail. We have some kind of forgiveness. We go out on on the struggle to keep them again. But the Christian experience that Saint Paul highlights in this passage from Colossians is different. It's, it's it's essentially the experience of baptism. We died with Christ in baptism and we were raised with him. So the event of the cross and resurrection, which took place two thousand years ago, twenty hundred years ago, um comes into our lives objectively through the act of, of baptism where we where we died and rose. And this is, our, this is the um, experience that epitomizes our life and is supposed to govern us much in the same way that um, the children of Rechab were governed by, the, by the, you know, the commandment of their father. And it's really the experience of our life for prayer. If we think about um, as Christians, we have this central identity as being in Christ. We die, and, the, and, and the epistle is a past tense. You died and you rose. This happened to you. And this is, so this is our true identity. And as we live the life for prayer where we come to God in Christ with the Spirit and continually are made aware of what is amiss and engage in that constant repentance, experience again that grace of forgiveness and new life and then rise up to go live in a new way, we notice there that the living in a new way is the consequence of our relationship with God. We remember who we are, and then we we live in a new way. We put away all the things that we know are are we were once captive to. We're free now to love. So the contrast between a religion where we have a bunch of rules we have to keep, which we can never keep, so we're always failing, so we're trying to get forgiveness, so we can go try hard again, verse <clears throat> the essential experience of baptism, where we always come back to our baptism, which is a death, a dying to sin, a re-experiencing of the full grace of forgiveness, and a moving forward from that experience into witness, life, love, obedience, which which is and joy and peace that comes from that. So that's what Saint Paul is exhorting the Colossians to do: remember who you are. And that's where really the essential thing about the. Um, the life of prayer. It's the continual remembrance of who we really are so we can live in the way we're, that God calls us to live faithfully. So, a few thoughts about today's lessons.
1: Continuing with the prayer for all conditions of men O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men, that thou wouldest be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving health unto all nations and by walking before Thee in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with Thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, everyone, for joining us and those that are going to stay.
3: We're here, and the rest of you have a great day. Yeah, someone wants to hang yeah. out for a second. you can click on the um link to take a peek at the at the chronology um If you do stay, I'd prefer to see you, so turn your camera on so I know I'm talking to that's good um If you look at the um the, just a couple points about the chronology I sent out, it's always helped me to um Get the setting of of the Old Testament and so on the on the chronology you see in the lot just above the line that has um, events below it there are the years about circa two thousand BC which is essentially where um, we remember biblical chronology because two thousand BC is Abraham and Abraham was about as far before Christ as we are after Christ we had Abraham Isaac and Jacob and then um The Exodus, that's a disputed date. Uh, People argue about it, so I'm not adjudicating that dispute in this chronology. I'm giving you the two um, typical uh, dates is about 450 BC, 1450 BC, which is um, the kind of biblical date that comports most with what the Bible says. And then the archaeologists, some people want to move it back to 1250 but either way, we're it, it, that's the exodus is kind of in that time frame. And then between the exodus, there's the settlement of the promised land. The the history we've been dealing with with kings starts with the united monarchy. So if Abraham's a thousand B.C., then David is about a uh, two thousand B.C., then David's about a thousand B.C. And there's only a united mar- monarchy in Israel for for a short period of time from 1030 to 930. Saul, David, and Solomon. And then it was in 931, uh, moving over to the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5th column of our chart, the kingdoms are split. And this we've been dealing with in Kings for the last several weeks in our readings, Kings in the North uh, and Kings in the South. Uh, the Northern Kingdom is started by Jeroboam, it's called Israel, the capital of Samaria. The Southern Kingdom uh, is Judah with its capital at Jerusalem. Who came and carried some of Israel away and resettled some of the Assyrians there. That's in in this um date on in the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th column, the 700s, you'll see Samaria falls to the Assyrians. And you'll see the prophets there that were in the seventh cent in the eighth century or seven hundreds, Jonah, Amos, Micah, Hosea, Isaiah. And so after that, 722, there's no more Israel, Northern Kingdom. All we're dealing with now in Kings is the Southern Kingdom of Judah uh, with its capital at Jerusalem. And historically, um, when people talk about the lost tribes of Israel, it usually refers to the fact that the Northern Kingdom went away and never came back. However, um, Orthodox Jewish people say that that uh, parts of all of the 12 tribes migrated south so that there is a continuation of the fullness of Israel. But that's a, a, a topic for another debate. So what we are, and, and there's two things in what we've read, um, two really bad uh, stretches of kings. For the northern kingdom, back in the 800s, there was, there was Ahab, Jezebel, and Baal worship, which was rooted out by Elijah and Elijah. But that so permeated the northern kingdom that it it ended up their demise. And the southern kingdom, then we had in the 700s to 650, the reign of the evil king Manasseh. And and, And though the king that came after Manasseh, Josiah, attempted reforms, they didn't fully take. And so we're moving now this week towards the event in the second to last column, which is Jerusalem will fall to the Babylonians, and the temple will be destroyed in 586 B.C., and the Jewish people go into exile, and um, the last biblical event, which uh, we, we won't get to um, I, in, in Trinity Tide, is that after we go into the Jews go into exile, they come back and rebuild the temple in five. They, they're allowed by the Persians to come back and rebuild the temple, and and they build a new temple in five twenty. But the thing we should know about that is it never returns to any sense of glory. So from the time between the rebuilt temple in 520 BC and the New Testament, the question always is, what do we need to get back to God's blessing? Israel's waiting for something to happen. And that's where Je- that's the hope that Jesus comes into and the New Testament teaching that is, it is Jesus who fulfills the old covenant in the way that Israel was unfaithful that brings the fullness of God's blessing to the new Israel, which consists of all those who put their faith in him and are baptized into him. So there just a couple of notes about the chronology. Um, I list the books of the Bible under the years that they are generally understood to be um, uh, taking place in. I don't list all the kings because that would make this unwieldy, but you can always Google if you want to know what, where did this king live? Um, But all of the northern kingdoms are are between Jeroboam and then the 700s and the southern kings go to just past then. So. um, Any questions about that? I just I've always helped me. It's always helped me to see this in some historical setting. You're reading random biblical stories. It's always helped me to know, oh, this is taking place here. And this relates to the narrative of Israel in this way. So that's why I thought I'd offer it. This is a chronology I did in Hebrew class. Third, maybe 20 years, 20-something years ago. So,
0: Thank you. So, yes, no questions. Thank you. Fine. Just I
3: wanted to give you I think uh, it's
0: quite nice. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. And if anyone, you can always email me terror.
3: offline with any questions about it because I, you know, uh, I find this stuff fun and exciting. So, <laughs> All righty. Well, you have a good day. Too. Thank you, Bishop. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Bishop. Bye. You Thank you. Have a yeah. good day, Bye-bye.
0: everybody. Bye, kiddos. Bye, everyone.